0: They don't have lots of money, they don't drive cool cars, they don't own their own businesses, they've never invented anything, and they're white. They are the most uninteresting man in the world. Hey Colin, how's it going man?
1: Oh Corey, it's good to be in your presence. Sort of. Yeah, I mean it's
0: good, but we're sort of in each other's presence.
1: Over the Zoom.
0: Over the Zoom. It's so good to see Mm. you. Um, It's been a while since we've gotten an episode out. It's true. But, uh, well, and, you know, and and we did have an episode. To be fair, we did have an episode ready to go.
1: Yeah, it was a little, uh, it was our first attempt. We'll just go with that.
0: Well, actually, that's two, there's two, because even two ago, we were going to interview a lawyer friend, but uh, it turned out that... That person didn't feel like it was appropriate content to share, which we totally understood. So we didn't do that yeah, one.
1: It was their choice. But the last one we did, it <laughs> was it was a Zoom one, and we were trying to figure out the audio. So yeah. hopefully we got all the kinks worked out, and we're ready to go with this one. And we can re-record that action at a yeah. later date.
0: I'll just give a little a little teaser that we tried to do on with our wives, and you know the good thing was I know my wife after we did like a little recording, she's like. Mm, that was dumb. That was dumb. That was dumb. Let's do this better. I'm like, perfect. Your eyes on this. This is going to be awesome next time. So we'll take perfect. another stab at it because we we don't put out stuff that's not good. We got We only no. put out the best, right? No.
1: <laughs> and you know, the thing that I love about uh, Zoom is, uh, you know, you talk to people that you care about and you don't talk to people you don't care about. Sometimes you like go to the store, you go to Target and you bump into that person from high school that you haven't seen in 20 years. And you're like, oh, no, I got to talk to this guy. But now I'm stuck at home, so I'm like, I really want to call certain individuals, it's, and it's nice because we at least talk once a week. So we almost talk more. That's <laughs> right. It's, now it's a
0: little harder to randomly bump into people on Zoom. That's yeah, for exactly. Sure.
1: You have to you have to be uh, well. You can randomly bump into people on Zoom. They're just Macedonians and Russians that are sneaking in.
0: That is true. That have is you true. been Zoom bombed? No, I have not. Have you?
1: Uh, We were Zoom-bombed, but not by anybody insidious. It was just a fool.
0: Oh, okay. Well, still, that's exciting. We have not... I don't... I think... uh I think my organization, I think YFC does have some things in place to keep that from happening, but yeah, I don't know.
1: I think, I think zoom's gotten a little better. So
0: yeah, they're working hard on it because it's obviously such a, such a big thing. So, so yep. yes, but you know, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad for our listeners. Once again, we're the most uninteresting men in the world. And, uh, as always, you can find us on Twitter at M U P cast I T W on the gram Instagram at the most uninteresting men, um, on Facebook as well. You can search us out and, uh, we're not on TikTok yet, but
1: someday, maybe. And Is yet. there anywhere
0: else they might not be able to find us? Well, I don't have TikTok, us?
1: so I don't know. How, you know where they can't find us? Speaking where? of TikTok, because uh, I don't have TikTok, but I do really miss Vine, <laughs> and they you will not find us advertised on Vine, oh, nor, true. frankly, will you find us anywhere else. <laughs> anywhere <because> that's public. <laughs> we are not going to be at malls. Nope. We are not going to be sitting down at sit-down restaurants. Nope. We are not going to be on buses, uh, nor are we in classrooms. Playgrounds. <laughs> uh, where else can we not be? Churches. Yep. You can't be in churches. Nope. You can't be. Uh, you can be in Home Depot, but I don't feel like our listenership would really see advertising at Home Depot. So, yeah, sorry guys,
0: maybe not. Yeah, well, that's that's good. Just so you know, just so you know. Um, yeah,
1: just wanted to make sure everybody was aware.
0: So a lot's going on though, and a lot's happened um, since our last since our last recording, but. Yep. First off, how is how are you and your and your family holding up in this uh COVID pandemic?
1: Uh, you know what, we're doing pretty good. Um, I my wife and I are both kind of inherently teachers, so the the chaos of teaching our children at home while our kids are on point cards now, <laughs> which is kind of the uh you know, you gotta get your so many points a day to yeah, make yeah. sure you did a um they are, they're doing really well and I enjoy it. And I actually really enjoy online teaching. Not, not as much as I do in the classroom. I miss Mm -hmm. those relationships and that time, but, um, I, for a minute, uh, you know, like, um, contracted with Microsoft and developed apps for their windows phone with another one of our friends. And I just love technology. Corey and I, you know, we both used to make like music videos and do all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So this is like right up my alley. So I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing with it? Uh,
0: doing good. I mean, I, I mean, overall, like I'll say, um, obviously like I have a job still, I'm able to work from home. Those are all good things. I'm enjoying, I am enjoying being with my family. I will say there's been some moments where working is harder, you know, like you kind of, Mm. you kind of, uh, uh, flirt with that like depression type feeling of like just not feeling super motivated to do certain things. Like I've experienced that quite a bit. And because there's been some things that are changing with my job. I work with events and camps and those, some of those things have been canceled and which just, you know, is not putting my job in danger, but is shifting what I'm going to be working on. And there's just a lot of like vague, you know, this limbo kind of, kind of place that I'm, I'm not sure how to operate in. So, but I feel like I'm turning the corner a bit and, you know, I, I, I'm working on, you know, trying to get, you know, stay healthy, continue to work out, working on eating better.
1: Well, and a couple of things for you. You were training again for another half Ironman, yeah, that was coming up, and that got scrapped. But you're still you're still out. You're still doing it. You're yep. still pushing yourself. So we'll, good for you. I'm sure we'll touch on that here in a little bit, even more. But yeah, that's true. <laughs> and but I was going to ask you because you are kind of in the in the business world. As well, you're, and, and you're in the business world to a degree that you're like you're you're planning these big expensive. Events, right? Okay. Yeah. And you have to kind of like plan out quarterly and, and figure things out, not only in budget, but mm-hmm. also time and renting facilities years in advance sometimes. What does it look like? Because normally this is like Corey Huffman turn on 100% mode because yes. you're getting ready for summer events yeah. and you're getting ready for fall events. But man, that's crazy. It's all up in the air, right? How do you do that?
0: Well, you know, I work with teams and stuff. I mean, most of the, most of the, uh, you know, most of like the budget stuff around, you know, and the contracts and stuff for venues and everything—that's not stuff that I live in. Um, okay, I live more on the program execution of upfront stuff on the events, and then for camps, you know, I work in one kind of part of it with a much bigger team, and you know, and with the camp side of thing things, we have it's very relational for us, like with those camp partners that we're working with. Sure. Um, for a lot of our events, I'm actually not exactly sure with our conferences in the fall what that looks like because it's hotels that we've contracted with. I'm assuming yep. we had some sort of clause that um, you know they call the force majeure um, type stuff. Where if some whoa uh, say that again force majeure. majeure that's what it says. Ooh. Yeah. So if like some, I mean something like this, like a pandemic can can set it off. So outstanding. Yeah. Uh, so that's where that's where we're at with that and. But um, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited uh, for what's to come. I feel like I'm starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and be excited for what what it can look like.
1: So, nice.
0: All right, Colin. Well, I'm excited for our uh, our special guest for this episode. So our our guest tonight is an elite ultra marathon runner. Uh, he is the is a five time U S Trail National Champion. He uh, was a champ in the ten k, the marathon, fifty k, and hundred k in multiple different years there, and also three time USA Trail Runner of the Year. Unless I mean unless this is old stuff and there's been new new accomplishments, uh, but also I think um, that's something that's really cool most recently, as far as I know, became the fifty k treadmill world record holder which is actually 31 miles straight on a treadmill which is crazy so let's welcome our our guest mario mendoza mario thanks for joining us
1: how's it going guys dang mario 31 miles on a (laughs) treadmill you were prepared for covid19 weren't you yeah
2: i know i'm thinking like now is like the perfect time to do some of this stuff and we did it before but i will say we did it with a, a, a gym full of kids, and so it oh, would have awesome. been pointless to do it now because we wouldn't have been able to, to host it. Yeah, yeah. To,
0: to imagine doing that not only on the treadmill but also completely alone, that would have been that would have been rough.
2: Yeah, it's like I've told a few people like I, I would like to do that event with ninety percent of it by myself and then when i need the hype and get oh, yeah. everyone all rowdy like that last 10% where you can really let the the emotions kick in and the adrenaline kick in that would be the ideal situation but um i'm glad that we got it in before this whole thing kicked in
1: <laughs> yeah and and so maybe that, oh go ahead colin and maybe you could do one of those uh um fundraisers or something i've seen those guys that run laps in their backyard <laughs> you know they're running like 7,000 laps in their backyard, which equals a marathon or something. And then they raise like $1,700 for masks or something. <laughs>
2: yeah. There's been a few, like, I think helipad marathon It's just like on top of a roof. And oh my gosh. I've seen people run, uh, somebody ran hundred K, uh, in their home. So their home apparently was big enough. And they, so they ran up the stairs and downstairs and around the whole house, <laughs>
0: I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I guess, yeah. I guess if you absolutely had to, you know, uh, which, which fortunately we can get outside right now. So, yeah. So, yeah. So that record, I mean, let's talk about that for just a minute because I think that's just a really cool, really cool story. I, and I followed that a bit. And, um, uh, but you, you did that and you did, you raised some money while doing that as well for, I think for kind of from as far as what I saw, maybe for multiple things, right? Like for the schools yeah. and for your ministry stuff. Like what, what was that all about? Like what, what made you want to do that? And how did that whole thing kind of play out?
2: Yeah, I, um, I took on a job as uh, executive director for the youth for Christ branch here in central Oregon. And it's actually based in Madras, which is a really unique area here um, with a third native, a third Hispanic and a third white. And uh, for the whole year, I was just kind of dreaming of what kind of event I could do that would just get everyone excited um, and just get the kids pumped and motivated. And I felt like if I would have done it right away, I would have just been too soon. Because, you know, when you build into a community it they're like, who are you? You know, they want to yeah. know who you are mm-hmm. first. And if you're actually there um, to, to do something good versus just like, draw attention to yourself. So I was kind of thinking of, okay, I want to do this. And so I was like dreaming about it for, I would say, at least eight months. I even told like the board members, like, I really want to do this, but it's just not time yet. And it was like, in December, I was like, all right, I feel, feel like it's ready. And And by then I knew the principal of the high school and he was super excited. And so that was a sign for me like, okay, this is, this is good stuff. Um, And they were very, very helpful and on board. Um, And so for me, the, the fundraising aspect was like one to to do something that uh, would impact the community as well. So not just like set a record, but just like be able to help with something. And so part of it was actually, um, Brooks, the company that sponsors me, was going to do uh, a grant for the whole track team. Um, so they donated um, $12,400 worth of gear wow. and then $2,000 worth of cash. And then we raised another almost 2000 for the Madras Athletics and then $5,500 for, um, for uh, Youth for Christ. So Unstandard. it was kind of a little bit of everything, and I was like, "Well, I mean, when else are you gonna get yeah. that much excitement? Might as well try to do the best we can." And my goal was to raise funds outside of like the Madras area, just because, like, I'd rather bring funds into the community mm-hmm. versus sure. like, take 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 from the community. So, so it just it just all kind of fit in. Uh, I I don't think I'm like a super smart guy. I think I just it was blessed and (laughs) i definitely feel like i had a lot of people that helped and just the right um the right momentum and and we got lucky too it was like the treadmill did not give out and (laughs) even though the gym was stuffy uh we didn't have ac like nobody nobody complained and um and it just it it worked you know
1: (laughs) i feel like i feel like somebody complaining about a stuffy gym that's just watching would be unique. If anything, it would be you running. And I am impressed, that uh, that treadmill, what is, it, what is it like after 31 miles straight? That's gotta be kind of a burned up motor.
2: <laughs> so that's why I picked uh, the Woodway treadmill cause it's got the strongest motor out of any treadmill and it's the most expensive one. So I actually borrowed it from a gym here in oh, Bend awesome. and I transported it over there. Um, <laughs> Just cause yes. it was less likely to give out <laughs> during the event. Um, and, and honestly, that was a big concern for me was like, I don't want to get all these kids excited and then just like something stupid, like the cord, you know, getting pulled or or the, the treadmill giving out. So you just yeah. hope for the best. <laughs>
0: that, that'd be a, a bit of a downer. So you, <laughs> so you ran it in two 15, two hours, 59 minutes. Forty nine seconds. What was the old record? Like how much did you so, buy? so
2: what you said is that was actually the old record. Oh that's so the old I record. Ran, okay. Yeah. So I ran red at two fifty nine. So it was like two fifty nine oh I think one or two. Okay.
0: Um
2: yeah, so so the old record was two fifty nine forty nine from uh Michael Wardian. And, and um the goal is just to get get under that.
0: Cool. Yeah. Very cool. That's so awesome. So you are I mean what you mainly do though, is you do long trail runs. So, I mean, we, we won't stay too long on this, on this piece, but, but what was it like, you know, just the, imagine it was challenging mentally to go from being out in nature running on these beautiful up and down trails and then to all of a sudden being in a gym on a, on a treadmill. What were some of the, you know, what were some of the things that went through your mind? What were some of the challenges or, you know, that, that you faced in that?
2: Yeah, I, I love being outside. So I knew that was going to be hard for me. Um, I, uh, I knew the mental challenge of the treadmill is like the confinement to like a little space and you just get, you start getting bored and you just, you're over it. And so I I really prepared myself mentally by doing like half of my training. The last four weeks was on the treadmill. So Mm -hmm. I forced myself to, to make it, uh, a safe place, make it a comfortable place for me. Was it, was it like what I love? No, I, I I would much rather do some kind of like FKT fastest known time out on a mountain or something like that, that, that would have been way more fun for me, but it would have been very challenging to get the kids engaged with something like that, you know, just to, to bring something to them. I felt like it was either this or run laps on a track. And, and so this I don't know, it sounded a little bit better and plus like some of these treadmill records are a little more uh within range. Like I don't really think I can break any any of those difficult track records. Maybe one of the really long ones. Yeah. Um but I don't really want to do like a hundred miles on a track. <laughs> I think I'd
1: rather run a hundred miles
2: in on a treadmill actually. Like I was thinking about like the circles thing just kind of messes with you. I think (laughs) I'd get dizzy.
1: You don't, you don't think you could uh, break the, the 100 meter world record. It's not in your alley. Oh man. I mean, I'd have to train for it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, In my dreams. Right
0: (laughs) now. So I I was looking at just kind of looking at your website and looking at some, you know, looking at some stats and different things. And so I mentioned some of the different, distances in trail running that you've done where you were the national champion and you it seems like you over the years built up 10k marathon 50k 100k um i also saw on there that you were uh working to represent usa in the olympics is that i think that's or i know you've ran for team usa in in the or era on trail trail running but uh what would you do in the olympics because trail running is not a part of olympics right
2: yes so so i yeah i don't think i put olympics i I think i put uh probably world championship okay on there um just because mountain running and ultra running right now does doesn't have an olympic uh place they're they're trying to i know they're trying to get mountain running into the olympics but uh so far it hasn't been successful um but what's neat is we do have world championships which for us is kind of like the ultimate uh, goal is to, to get there and to, um, be able to represent your country in that. And so for that, I've actually, I've been blessed to, to represent the U S eight times at world championships. And, and, um, I do both the mountain running and the ultra running. I I seem to do better, a little bit better in the ultra running, um, one.
0: So So, so what exactly is the difference between mountain running and ultra running for our listeners?
2: They're honestly exactly the same in terms of difficulty, like terrain They're Both of them are going to take you up super steep mountains, um, super steep descents. But the ultra running is always going to be it's always around 40 K to like 80 K. So it's just going to be a lot longer. And I like those races a lot more for some reason. I like being out in the mountains.
0: <laughs> and, and so what are you current, I mean, so you've done a lot of different distances. Typically, do you, um, kind of bounce around or do you, have you been just steadily building up to longer and bigger distances and, and before I'm assuming some things have been delayed or canceled or pushed back for you? What, what are you, what were you training for or what are you still at this point training for distance wise?
2: Yeah, I, um, I jump around just cause it, it keeps me motivated so I don't. I usually don't go under a marathon at this point, but from marathon up to 100K, I feel very comfortable jumping around. Uh, the 100 mile, I've run three times, but I still think, I still think I haven't perfected that one. So like the other ones, I, I can say, okay, this race I, I nailed it. Like this race, I got the best out of my body. But the 100 miler, I haven't figured out the perfect nutrition
0: yeah. balance.
2: Yeah. Um, I I know that that's a goal of mine. And so if races open up again this year, I want to, I want to get back to the hundred and, and really try to try to just nail one and feel like I got the best out of myself. Um, And so I, I think we're getting close. And I think once you've built enough of a base and training, I really think jumping around works. I think it keeps you excited uh, you have to change workouts a little bit and, and work on different systems. But Mm -hmm. when you get comfortable in, in that, that steep terrain, you can, you can pretty much do well in different ranges.
1: Yeah. I was going to ask about that. Just when you transition from those, those very extremes, uh, what does a cross-training program look like for you? You know, when you think about like someone who's running the 100 meter and the 200 meter, it's a sprint. But I would assume running a marathon is a different experience in terms of, you know, preparing yourself or preparing your body than, uh, than 100K or 100 miler. So what are like what do you cross-train as?
2: Yeah. What, what I do is if I am training for 100 mile, I'm going to put a lot more emphasis into my long runs so my like twenty to thirty mile long runs are gonna, um, they're gonna be the focus of the week. I'm not gonna like destroy my body in the in the shorter like tempo workouts because I'm I want to know what it feels like to to get fatigued and to have to keep going. So so I shift my focus to that. But if I'm training for like a marathon, um, I'm gonna actually still do 20 mile runs but I'm going to focus a lot more on those like 5 to 10 mile workouts where I'm like doing threshold where I'm doing vo2 max like intervals with certain amount of rest and I'm going to do hill repeats and probably even cut down to like some 400 meter intervals as well because it's a faster pace and you've got to be ready to like go from from the start you've got to be able to go at your high heart rate so i i the week looks pretty similar in terms of like i always tend to do one faster workout like on a tuesday and then one more like cardio strength work maybe thursday friday and then one or two long runs on the weekends that almost always looks the same but depending on the distance i'll focus where I'm really like making it the key day, so I always have a key day during the week that I, I want to like nail it, and and I want to that one I do want to go pretty
1: hard. And so you live in Central Oregon, which a, a good part of the year will will be buried in snow and stuff like that. Are you are you running all the time, or if you if you feel like it's unsafe to go out, are you lifting weights, are you playing basketball, getting on a bike, you know, stationary bike, and just pumping out a couple miles that way? Like, how do you kind of make sure you're keeping your body together.
2: Yeah, um, you know, we get about three weeks maybe that it's just not safe to really go outside. But the rest of the year, even when it snows, they they plow the roads really well. Oh, so okay. I, use, um, I use shoes with like tiny little screws, so that way I won't fall. Yeah. And um, I will do probably 80% of my runs outside, and then my very key workouts, I'll go on a treadmill if I need to, um, so that that's a good. I found that to be a good balance. If it's really really bad, I've done snowshoeing. Um, I haven't gotten into any like snow sports other than snowshoeing because just the time, like it, it takes a while to like drive up the mountain. It's expensive. You got to get the gear. You got to yeah. fix the gear. So I I, I really I'm a person that likes simplicity, and so the the easiest thing I'll stick to that just because of time too.
0: That's that's the nice thing about running as a as a sport. <laughs> it's I mean it boils love down to pretty simple. Uh, exactly. So yeah. So, so the hundred miler is that the farthest you've gone, and is that the farthest you want to? I mean, not I don't know that you need to go farther than that, but is that kind of the sort of the peak in yeah. terms of distance?
2: Yeah. Right now. Right now I think that'll probably be the, the max for me. Um, just cause there's a lot of prestige in the hundred and I think once you get past hundred, it sort of becomes like, like, well, you know, where are people going to stop? You know, they're doing 200 mile <laughs> yes. races. And they're going to do 300, you know, but I think the hundred is enough where it's, it's super long and yet people still race it fast. Yeah. And so I think that draws my attention and um, I know, I know that like internally, I'm completely satisfied satisfied up to like 100K, but the 100 miles still like, I just I haven't felt that like okay, I did it, you know. Yeah. Like I just haven't, I haven't nailed it. And so um, I, I think it's actually really close. Like I think the last one was super close. I just I made a, a mistake in judging like this these drinks that I was taking thought they had more calories and, and so like, it's a little thing like nutrition and it'll just like destroy you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so, so the, I mean, I did a, so I did a half Ironman, uh, triathlon last spring and I was going to do one this spring and I'm hopefully still doing one in the fall. We'll see. Um, and, and, you know, and that for me was the, I hadn't done anything quite that big and I wasn't naturally a long distance person, but I, I know that was the key thing that I like had to really, and I didn't have a coach or anything. So I was Googling all this stuff on nutrition. And I, and luckily I seemed to find a good formula that worked really, really well, but it was like every 45 to 50 minutes, I had to do like a hundred to 200 calories. And so I imagine, yeah. you know, that that would be, I mean, probably, that's probably like the scariest part I bet. Like, cause if you miss that, I mean like.
2: Yeah. it, it, it It's so hard to regroup if you miss your nutrition. And so I was I was so excited when I found out about like liquid calories, like tailwind. Um, it was just like, Whoa, I can get 200 calories just on a drink. And it yeah. was, it was amazing. Cause it was like, it really, really makes it easier on your gut and you don't have to like be as, as paranoid about trying to like shove food down your
0: mouth. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what, what about, I mean, for you, what, what about, about how much time does it take to run a hundred mile race? Like what's, you know, like a range that that would fall in?
2: Yeah. My range is about 14 to my longest one was 18 hours, which was Western States. Um, so, so 14 to 18, they've all been right in there. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's like enough distance where once you get over 10 hours, you really really gotta nail the nutrition it's just yeah. like 100k i can get done in in like eight to to nine hours and and so it's just like you can you can kind of get away with missing a few calories here and there but after 10 hours it's so it's so different it changes the whole the whole ball game
0: yeah it's and that's it just seems i mean it's just mind-boggling for i'm sure for a lot of our listeners if they're not you know into running it's just it probably sounds super crazy. So maybe a couple of questions for folks who, you know, haven't followed this a whole lot. Um, when you are, I mean, when you're on a long race like that, like something that is post 10 hours, um, what goes through your mind in that race? And like, how do you, how do you stay focused? And what are some, besides nutrition, even what are some of the things that are challenging, um, as you're doing that?
2: Yeah. um, Well, one of the draws for trail running is that the terrain is also challenging. Mm. And so what you find is that you're not really racing people as much as you are racing the terrain at this point and the distance that that's going to break you down. Like everyone's going to be broken down at some point. And it's like, who can last the longest basically wins. And so, um, in, in these longer races, I learned that you need to break things up. You you have to really um, focus on the miles that you're in and and not like get ahead of yourself and be like, oh, we're only 20 miles in and I still have 40 miles to go. It's really like, okay, I already did 20 miles. I'm going to get through the next five. Yeah. And then once I get through the next five, I'm going to get mm-hmm. through the next five and I'm going to get to that Pretty next kitty. aid station and I'm going to refuel. And so um, one of the things that, I, I tell some of the people that I coach and stuff, it's like make sure in an ultra that you are actually taking care of yourself early, mm-hmm. where in a shorter race, it's not about taking care of yourself. It's about like you, you go and you stay as comfortable, but you're hurting from the beginning where in an ultra, the, the more you preserve your body, the more you're preserving, like your, um, your endurance and, and you're not like overusing your muscles it's a lot more about efficiency, right? Mm-hmm. So all of those tiny little decisions make a big difference later on. So I always, I always actually envision myself early on, just like conserve, 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 you know, like don't overstride here. Don't pound this downhill because I'm going to need my quads at the end, at the end of this race. And so, um, it changes the, the, uh, tactics because, you're not just going you know threshold or anaerobic right away. you're really yeah. really trying to pace yourself and um, you're really trying to respect the the distance and, and the, the mountain ranges. Like I always like to draw a little map and and so I have a visual map in my head of which mountain I'm I'm on and how many more mountains I have left. <laughs> yeah. It, it helps
0: <laughs> yeah i've never had to Thanks. think about
2: that on a run <laughs> yeah it's actually really fun it's it's once you get hooked you're like oh man this this mountain running stuff, it's, it's uh, very, very addicting.
0: (laughs) Oh, I bet. Now, some of our listeners, we do have some middle school age listeners because Colin's a middle school teacher. And, um, we even have a couple of elementary school age kids that, that have been listening and, um, and you know, both Colin and I, you know, sometimes our minds are more like middle schoolers too, but, so this question (laughs) is really for them. But when you're on that long race, um, how often do you have to go to the bathroom? Do you stop and go somewhere? Like what, what does that look like
2: yeah that is a great question um i <laughs> i have been blessed that i've never had to go number two okay.
1: um you know in 18 in an 18 hour race no man whoa you're you're using up all those calories yeah i
2: think my body's just like whatever it can it can take it can consume it probably like it probably like thinks it's supposed to process it and then it like takes it back into my system. <laughs> um, so I think too that because of the nervousness, because I still, I still want to like compete. I want to, I want to try to win. It's like my body is so nervous that it just like clears its system sure. in the morning. And, and so really the only thing I have, usually I have to worry about is just peeing. And um, that one, I handle it two different ways. So, if it's a really long race, I just stop and pee like out on the trails because it's not going to really affect you to yeah. stop for 30 seconds. Um, and, and it might even help you because you're like relax
0: again Yeah, and you feel that much better.
2: Yeah. Um, but my rule is if it's under like 50 K or under, I just like pee while I'm running, <laughs> um, because it's competitive yeah. <laughs> and in a 50 K 30 to 40 seconds matters. Um, and it, sometimes the races come down to that. And so I don't want to finish a race and be like, ah, I lost because I peed. I stopped to pee, you know, <laughs> so I'd rather just pee while I'm running. Um, and it hasn't been that bad. Like it, it really, <laughs> it, well, it, it, I,
0: I mean, I assume it's, yeah. you're so hydrated and you know, that's. so I yeah. when, when I, in my triathlon, I had to pee a lot. I had to pee in every transition unfortunately but I had to pee cuz I was waiting so long in the line to get into the water and I'm like in my wetsuit and and a friend had been like oh just pee in your wetsuit and I literally as I was swimming like I kept thinking about it but I couldn't like relax and do it while I was yeah. swimming so I would yeah. imagine it's it's something you have to learn or get used to even as a runner
2: Yeah you you have to um you have to like practice a little bit (laughs) to be honest it's like it gets easier after you you do it one or two times um and and then you're like oh you don't even think about it anymore i i always i am always very very cautious though like who i'm running with or you know make sure that i respect them but other than that it's like now it's actually pretty easy
1: well i guess the beautiful thing about running those long distances too is that you're you are kind of in your head and so it sounds like you are a very aware of your own body which is outstanding and then not only that but what a lot of integrity you have to to consider other runners when you're out i i try to live my life with integrity but if i'm running that distance i don't know that i would inherently think about other people in that moment good for you <laughs> yeah
2: yeah man i really i actually Sometimes if I'm running in a pack, I'll, I'll tell them like, you know what? I, I want to actually be by myself. So I'm going to slow down and run like a minute behind you guys or something. And just cause it, it, it wears you, if you're not in a good headspace, right? It, it's too long to, um, to go without staying positive. So, yeah. so a lot of it is, like you said, awareness of where you're at and sure and which part of the race
1: you're at. Yeah. Do you find do you find as you as a person of faith is that kind of what draws you in back into yourself when you're on a race is that kind of where you recenter is kind of thinking about uh you know your your faith and those sorts of things or are you a person who's like you know recounting some like angry metallica songs to kind of get you through a race like what how what is that headspace that that centers you back to to being, um, a competitor and being a person that, that is like honoring the time and space that you're in?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, there's a couple things. So one is I've just, I've discovered a joy in those places of, of being really pushed to my limits of really being like kind of broken because I've learned that, uh, in those times, I really get to know who I am. Like, I I just, I, I really get the raw person of who I am. I've like kind of broken every other aspect and it's just like, all right, this is who I am. And, and it takes time, but I've found that once you get there, you start learning that you still have choice. Like you can still direct your energy somewhere and you can still, um, really, stay positive and you can actually still, uh, find that joy. And so I, I guess that, um, now I almost crave to get myself to that last one third of the race, because I know that that's the only time I'm going to actually get to that, that rawness, like the beginning, it's just, you still feel good. You know, you're still in a positive space. You're still pretty hydrated. You're still eating well, but once you get to that last third, um, it's pretty awful. And, and you just, you're like, where do I go? Where do I go? And you start seeing kind of your inner drive, like just wants to say quit and just wants to say like, give up, sit on the side of the trail. And that's where um, I try to really uh, pull from, from the thoughts and the positivity that, um, I'm drawing closer to my faith. That I'm I'm getting stronger in my faith, and that if I can suffer and persevere, it's gonna do something. Even though I don't see it right away, that it's actually going to create something. And um, I've found that sometimes I see that something right away, and sometimes it takes it takes time. But I always see something from it. Like it, like that's the cool part is that. Uh, I've always seen something good come from those efforts, even though it seems pretty stupid to go do an ultra, I think that <laughs> it, uh, it, it changes you, but it also, it also creates like positive energy yeah. for
1: others. That's, that's great. I like, I like that. Is that kind of the a similar, um, if you can, how would you boil that down maybe into someone who's wanting to get into longer distance trail running. You know, I, I used to run a lot of 5Ks and 10Ks, and that's what I kind of centered myself around. And it's really easy to run those because they're, they're quick and fast and these sprints, you know. Um, but if I were to go out and say, you know what, I'm, I want to do 18 miles on a trail, but man, I just, I can't get past mile 11 and my mind just starts to Eat me alive, and then I just have to stop. How, what? How would you kind of encourage people that want to kind of get into that mode of? Yeah, I just want to be on the trail for a few hours, but I can't. <laughs> my my brain is taking over.
2: Yeah. Um. My first encouragement would be to to actually focus more on on time and kind of the the journey itself, because I think um, I think sometimes like distance can play. Just a, a mental pressure on on yourself that that you don't need, and so if you really focus on on time, and then you're in the journey, you're less likely to be like, oh, it's mile eleven then I'm gonna break. You're, you're you're just you're caught in where you're at, so you're not thinking about that wall or that barrier. Um, but the other aspect that I think is very very difficult to actually navigate, but it's the truth. It's that to do well in, in these, these type of events, you have to have a long-term goal. Like it's not, you're not going to do it in one week. Um, You're not going to get really good in a month, but it's like, are you committed for like a few years? You know, are you committed for five years? Are you committed for 10 years? And so my, my encouragement would be for somebody that's just starting is like, just pay attention to how alive you feel running out in nature and like running on trails, just pay attention to that and soak it in. And then, and then just like learn what 80% effort feels like and do more of that for a while till, till you get better at it. Because um, if you're patient and if you build really slowly like I have no doubt that people will get better. Like we're, we're yeah. built that way. Like humans sure. are built to get better. And so, um, yes, it's like, you got to stick with it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I resonate yeah. with the, with a few different things you said. Um, <clears throat> one, you know, I, so there's a podcast I listen to that's geared kind of toward triathlon, but I think distance, um, stuff in general, but it's called crushing iron podcast. I'll throw throw it out, but they spend a lot of time talking about that thinking about the long game and, you know, being able to, you know, skip a workout here and there and just some of the different things that athletes sort of struggle with. And, and I know there's things where like, I feel like I have to talk myself down at times when I am getting in the thick of training of like, okay, don't worry this. Yeah. This workout sucked today or whatever, you know, like there's more and it's long term, And so I think that's really great advice. Um, I also, you know, resonate a bit with even, you know, um, you talking about being sort of present in in some of those longer distance, you know, and being positive. I know when I was um when I didn't I'm not gonna talk a ton about myself on this, but when I did my longer race, I know as I was doing that or, or finishing that and reflecting back, I, I was in a really positive state. So I had been on a sabbatical for a bit and been off from work and had a lot of time to like just be out by myself and was pretty used to that. And I came in really um, joyful and thankful, and like just taking it all in because I was just excited to do this event and I'd never done something like that. Yeah, but I can't imagine coming in in like a mental state that wasn't like positive or wasn't you know like I just don't know how you would make it through or or something, especially longer you know like a full <laughs> Ironman or a longer ultra if you are not in a good mental state. So, I, and have you have you ever dealt with that at all? Where you've come into a race and had like your mind in a spot where you just, you know, where it was really, really difficult or have you been able to typically do things to really keep yourself centered and in, in a good spot for those?
2: Yeah. Um, so earlier in my career, I, um, I was, there was a couple of times where I was pretty frustrated, uh, because, you know, like I would see other guys do really well in these races and they would get like this like big publicity and then they would get a sponsor. And then I was like, why, you know, I'm winning these races and, and it's not leading to this. Right. I was like getting kind of frustrated. And actually that, that same year I just run two really, really good races. And they were like these big races that everyone said, if you do well here, that's it. Like, you, you know, you're going to make it, you know? And so I was like, I was like, okay, I just did it and I'm still not seeing what I everyone said I was gonna see so I went to um Australia and it was a uh, ultra trail Australia 100k and I went with with my wife and uh I was uh I was frustrated I was uh angry and I I tried to run the race off of that and it, it worked for 70% of the race <laughs> I uh, I was crushing it I was winning uh, I was beating guys that like I shouldn't be beating <laughs> and it was working until it all it all just crumbled down and um and I actually couldn't finish that race I just like I broke mm-hmm. my body so much and I remember I remember that day I learned a very valuable lesson that I often share with people is that uh you you can't run your best out of anger you know you can't run your best out of pride um no matter what like it's like you just can't get the best out of yourself and I think I think we're built in a way where uh yes um being resilient and being um a person of perseverance is gonna it's gonna help you but uh you also have to be in a place of joy you have to be in a place of positivity and that day I was not and, um, I, I remember I was like, I'm never doing that again. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, never again. <laughs> it sucked. I had a really bad stomach ache afterwards. Oh, no. yeah. 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 Well, yeah. It, yeah. It
0: just... I was gonna say that, that makes sense. Cause even at you know, even at like at the level of sprinting, like even in a hundred meters, you, you, athletes still have to relax, which I know sounds weird, but they still have to relax as they're pushing themselves. So, you know, I don't think there's any distance where it's good to be tense or good to be in that headspace. Yeah, space. there's not. No,
2: there's yeah. not. Um, even in sprinting, you've got to learn to get in your in your, in your your positive space and that fluidity. Um, you just can't, you can't power through something. You know, yeah. everyone thinks like you just got to get it out. And the reality is is uh if you've already if you're starting a race already gutting it out you're in trouble (laughs) yeah
1: that's funny i have um i i had two specific races that i was wondering if you had run because i know that they that people have done it and i one of them's popular but have you ever done in in oregon we have the three sisters which is part of the cascade mountain range have you ever summited all three of those in one round I've never done all three in one round. I've done all three, but not, not in one round. Um, I know that's a longer race and and quite technical, but I didn't know if that was something you had accomplished.
2: I want to do it. I, um, I actually, in terms of doing it, I am pretty sure I can do it. It's more, um, like there's usually certain aspects of each climb that fit really well into certain races. So like, Mm uh, the, you know, one of them is a little bit techier. So unless you're doing like a sky race, the training is just, it's different because you're going to have to scramble. You're going to have to really slow down where, um, like South sister, that one I train on the most because, uh, you can still run most of it. Like, yeah, you can still get moving. It's an established trail and it's a very established trail. So that's the only reason why, um, I have quite a few friends that have done all three. Mm. And so, um, it's uh, it's actually a pretty popular route here. <laughs>
1: That's great. Well, and I I listened to a really um, very fascinating podcast on uh, on Radiolab about the man vis- man versus horse race. Is that something you've ever considered doing in Prescott, <laughs> It
2: it actually is kind of cool. I've never I've never like thought of me doing it, but it's been just such an interesting uh, thing to look at, just like how people are actually, we're built in ways that we can, uh, we can keep moving, you know, both our mentality and just the ability to sweat, you know, we're, we're, we're like slow and steady. We, we keep moving.
1: What, what is that race? Well, and uh, I was going to say, well, and the, the premise behind the, the, the fascinating radio lab is this kind of science show or whatever, but they, they approach it from, um, you, you have all these runners, and the idea is you're racing horses over, I think it's only 22 miles, so a little shorter than a marathon. But for for essentially two decades, the horses always win. There's been two human winners out of 28 years or whatever they've run this. But um, the science behind it is that the horses constantly have to stop and get checked because they can't sweat like a human does. So the, the humans that race can start – and don't stop until they finish. Whereas the horses have to take these breaks and drink water and, and kind of stretch a little bit. So it's, it's a really unique, um, Hmm. you know, man versus beast experience, but still the horses, you know, have a, uh, have a higher top speed and can kind of take over, but there are these occasional instances where the humans. Yeah. Yeah. And in the
2: longer, like the longer distances, I definitely would probably put my money on like an elite ultra marathoner. Cause, mm-hmm. cause it just, the, the changes start to start, start to take care of themselves and balance out like the horse's speed and just the man's ability to keep moving. Um, it, it even makes me think of how Western States the with the 100 miler started. It was, it was actually like a horse race and like literally this guy, just his horse was having issues. So he decided to run it, you know, to like <laughs> finish it. And wow. that's how it started. So it's wow. kind of, it's kind of cool to think about that and just think about some of the history and and tribes of people that have been Mm. known to run just such long distances, um, to the point where they can, they can outlast animals. You know, they can't outrun them in short speeds, but they can outlast them.
0: and, And I imagine that's part of what gets people hooked on these longer distances is that, I mean, just even for me in my training last year, as I hit different accomplishments and different, um, you know, different walls and going farther, I was always really amazed that I could do it, you know, like I would yeah. I would ride this far or run this far and be like, I just did that. My body, I would not, you know, cause, and I'm, and I'm a bigger guy, like I'm over 200 pounds and I was more of like a power sport, you know, football player and stuff. And so I never was into running until, you know, more recent adult years. And so, you know, as I hit those different, different place I was just like wow that was incredible so I imagine you know for you and for other people as they hit those benchmarks there's something in you that goes okay this is like this is kind of cool and and pushes you to keep keep going farther and farther and want to see how far you can go
2: it's it's really amazing like even seeing just how how long a person can hold even like a heart rate of 150. I mean, you're just like, seriously, like you can do this for that many hours? It's Mm -hmm. it's phenomenal just because we can sweat. And so it's 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 amazing to me.
0: Yeah. And and, you know, one cool thing, so obviously we're in the midst of the uh the COVID-19 pandemic right now. Um one cool thing, at least around here, is people can still get out and exercise, people can still run. And it seems like running has gotten a, a a big boost because of it. And and I'm on I'm on Strava and I know you are too. I follow you on Strava and And I am friends with a lot of people on there. And I've noticed a number of people who I didn't see doing stuff, you know, a few weeks ago are like starting to crank things out and running a lot more. um, Which I think is really, really exciting. Um, But I know for me, one of the things with my race is canceled and kind of like going, okay, I'm not, you know, my, I don't have to work out for, you know, in this same program I was doing, I can kind of slow down and try some different things a little bit. I would love to get out on some trails and I've been wanting to, you know, just dabble a little bit. So yeah, what would be maybe your encouragement for someone who's, you know, not necessarily going to be, you know, a super long distance trail runner, but just getting into trail running a little bit. Like, do you do you have to get different shoes right away? Can you, are running shoes okay? Am I going to break my ankles if I go try to do a, you know, a, like a, you know, eight mile run on the trail? Or, you know, what are some things that are good, you know, just general stuff for people to know as they're just getting started into that?
2: Yeah, um, the first thing is... I would always know the type of terrain you're getting into um, in terms of like it's, it's class. Like we don't really have rankings on difficulty on trail, but, but there definitely is. There's, there's trails that that are very technical and there's trails that are just nice and wide and smooth that you almost feel like you're on a road. And so for a person that's starting to get into the trail running, I would really um, recommend sticking to more smooth single track for a while And double wide, um, because the more you you like it, and the more you're just able to connect to what's there, it's gonna help your longevity, and and just get you more excited about getting out again. Um, So that that's the first thing, because it'll also help you not have to get shoes if you're not getting into the super techie stuff. Yeah, Uh, because smooth smooth trails, you can still use road shoes. In fact, um, there's some trails here that the river trails that are pretty wide, I still mm-hmm. can use road shoes and, mm. and be fine. Um, but there are some shoes, there's some companies that'll make shoes that are like kind of a, a blend of, of road and trail. So as, as somebody starts to like more trail running, I would look at something like that. I know um, Brooks has a shoe called The Divide that's kind of a, a half and half shoe. And so you can, you can do both in them. And so I would recommend that just because it, it makes it easier if you're like in a city but want to get to the trail. Yeah. You're not going to be like, oh, I need to like stop right before the trail starts and change shoes. You just, you don't want to think about those things. Mm-hmm. You just want to get out and go.
0: Yeah. And you don't
1: um, necessarily want to drop a bunch of money on new gear all the time too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and just so that you can continue on your commercial a little bit, <laughs> um, my, my cousins uh, run for ASICS. And so sell me on Brooks shoes though, like, cause I know that sometimes brand is really important to people and they stick, they, they trust what they, they have. And I know Brooks obviously sponsors you, but you obviously chose them also. So what, what do you find as a value to their company, their brand, their, I don't know, uh, you know, their philosophy?
2: Yeah. So, um, it's interesting I, I... I have not found like a company that spends as much time trying to have a shoe, like really matched to an experience. And so Brooks is really like specific about each type of shoe they have. So if you kind of look at the history of each shoe, whatever the name is, whether if it's a a road shoe, that's like, like called the ghost, it's tied to an experience, like a specific type of experience. And what that does, um, is, is it helps for people to know like what, what they're buying. You know, you, if, if you are like, okay, this is what I like. I really enjoy um, running at this park. I really enjoy running these type of trails. Then you can match it to like a, a shoe that has that type of experience versus, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to call out any companies cause I, <laughs> I'm not like that kind of person, but there's, <laughs> there's some companies that will try to like, This is the shoe and this is the technology and they just try to convince you on that uh, versus like what what is the experience you're looking for Mm. so it's just to me it's way two different things one of them is like we're just gonna design a shoe that everyone's gonna want to buy and the other one is you guys are these type of runners and um, we need to match that experience because that's what you're looking for. And I, I honestly think that's why Brooks is number one. So they're, they've been number one selling running shoe for many years. And I, I see that continuing because they're so tied to matching to those experiences. And, and that's a big thing for me um, because trail running, it can be so different. Uh, steep technical mountains are way, way different than a smooth river trail. And so I want to know that the tools that I have are going to, are going to match what I'm looking
1: for. Awesome. Well, we've, we've spent a lot of time talking about running, but I, we also know Corey and I, um, you know, we were poking around your website and listening to your podcasts and, uh, you are just a a passionate person with your, obviously your career, (laughs) but also just with your hobby. But, you know, you're also very impassioned about bridging the culture of who you are, of, of being, uh, an active member of your community in central Oregon. And also just being in this culture of your parents are, are both immigrants and you're Latino. And you're also in this, you know, trying to bridge those communities in Madras where there's, you know, kind of a third of, of very different cultures and, and, um, you know, that you, you have that passion to, to bridge those. Like, what does that, what does that mean for you? And what does that look like? Cause that's, that's a big part of who you are.
2: Yeah. I, um, I've discovered over time, you know, that for me, it's not, it's not specifically like about creating diversity. Um, for me, it's actually specifically about bringing unity, like bringing people together and getting people to know each other. And the way that I connected to um, just what, what I understand the most is, is running through terrain. And, and what I've learned in that is that when you're running through terrain, the more you uh, understand terrain, the more you navigate through terrain, the more you're, you're really like kind of feeling sort of a sense of responsibility of taking care of it. And then you really know what it's like. And, and so I, I, I found that in the same uh, with connecting communities is that, um, you know, the more that we become familiar with each other and the differences that people have and the traditions that they have, um, you start just connecting people and people start to understand each other and have more grace towards each other and um, be able to see each other the same, which that, that to me is the ultimate dream. It's not that I would need to see like specifically, you know, 10 Hispanic people and 10 Native American and 10, uh, you know, white people. No, I, I really could care less It's the fact that I don't want to see that, like, I don't want to like notice even the differences. I just like want us to all be able to enjoy each other and actually celebrate what, what is unique about mm-hmm. everyone. And so, um, I don't know, I, I've, it's funny cause there has been times in my life where I'm like I'm like, okay, why what has driven this? what what has been really the root of it? And um, I look back at when I was younger and just sort, sort of feeling confused um, about who I was supposed to be and sort of having these different pushes from from my family, from my friends of like, you're supposed to be this, you're supposed to be that. And and it wasn't until I was a little bit more mature that I realized, like, why can't I just be all of them? You know, why can't I just be Hispanic? Like, I'm super proud of being from Mexico. Like, I'm super proud of it. And then why can't I also be American? Like, why can't I enjoy Johnny Cash like as much as <laughs> my, my American friends? I do. You know, I love Johnny Cash. Like, I love French fries. You know, I don't even know if that's American, but... <laughs> I like it, you know. I love the way like American people take care of, um, you know, the nature and protect nature. You know, like things like that. Like, I just started to to really dive into that more, and and so that's why I was um I was very passionate about representing the U.S. because um I I, I guess I want to like pave a way for kids to to feel okay doing that, you know, yeah. like not, not to, I don't want to be like a loud person or I don't want to put anyone down. I just, I want to like lift them up and just have kids Mm -hmm. like enjoy who they are. Yeah. Well, I mean, kids (laughs) need
0: to see people up front, you know, see people that look like them and, you know, and and see the possibilities for them. Representation is is super important. That's awesome. I, in, in talking about these, you know, different cultures, I was listening to the morning shakeout podcast, which, um, because you, you had mentioned that, which I'll just give a shout out and say that was a really good podcast. Uh, Mario Fraioli does a really good job. So I want to listen to more of those actually, but, um, Mm. but you were talking about growing up on an avocado farm, which I thought just in my mind, I was like, that sounds so awesome. Just to be, (laughs) I love, I love avocados, but I think an avocado (laughs) farm would be really neat. And and you talked about listening to your experience too. It It sounded like a really neat, um, kind of unique experience so maybe you can share a little bit about what, what what that was like growing up and and I know you weren't surrounded by tons of people like it was just a little bit um probably really unique compared to what some of our listeners have experienced
2: yeah I mean we um we felt like we owned this this little farm because we it was just me and, and my cousin's uh family that were there and and so it was it was actually I felt like it was such a blessing to have that much space to get out and we always would, would be outside and, and, uh, in nature and part of the responsibility that we had, our parents were both working on the, on the farm. So we, our little families would, would help farm in the area and, and especially the avocados, like in the summer when season was in, um, we would pick the avocados and, and, uh, getting, get them prepped for them to pick, get picked up. Um, my dad, over an eight year period, worked himself up to manager position. So it was pretty cool to see that and just like, um, see his hard work pay off. And, and we felt definitely a sense of responsibility over the, the space because, um, you, you grow attached to it. And, and so we, you know, we really like to maintain it, to keep it clean, to keep, um, keep it uh, respected. And, and um, so, I mean, I've just have, I have a lot of fond memories of, of the farm. Uh, As, as many people know who are farmers, it's not easy life, but it's, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty rewarding. Um, And it definitely teaches you to have, to have patience. So um, I, I, I have such fond memories of, of my childhood and I think it, it helped pave a lot of, um, my personality for sure.
0: Yeah. And a couple of follow-up questions. One, did you, I mean, I would imagine being on an avocado farm, you would eat a lot of avocados. Uh, <laughs> do you still like avocados or did it make, was it one of those things where you're like, ah, I've had enough avocados and they're no it, big deal.
2: It's, it was one of those of, I did not realize the gold that was right <laughs> in front of me. And so I, I kind of liked avocados, but I was not in love with them. Where now I am, okay. and now I'm like, an avocado is like a dollar each one. And now it's like, oh my god, this, <laughs> this sucks, <laughs> because now I actually like avocados. <laughs> so um, yeah. That... <laughs> and,
0: and and so you uh, did you say both both your parents immigrated from Mexico? Is that is that right?
2: Yes yeah so my my mom um worked more in the bracero program i don't know if you guys have heard of that Mm -hmm. um but uh her and her whole entire family they would come and work the fields Mm. uh picking picking tomato picking cherry picking apples um all through california and sometimes in oregon actually Mm. and um and my dad came on early in his life uh with some of his siblings and they worked more in like he actually worked in a surfing factory. So he would help make surfboards over really? in uh, in uh, oceanside. Yeah, yeah. So so it's kind of interesting. Um but uh yeah, both of them were able to get uh, their citizenship and I was born in California in San Clemente. And uh it's uh it's been uh it's been neat to see just uh, us kind of build lives here and yeah and build into the culture. Yeah.
0: And, and do you, I mean, uh, obviously I assume they brought some of, of their Mexican culture, um, with them and, and there's probably some traditions and things that you took. Um, is that, is that still something that's really important to you to, to kind of learn about or, or continue to practice some, some of those traditions and those cultures too?
2: Yeah, for me, um, for me, it's like, it's beautiful, you know, just like, the things that they passed on to me. And so uh, with my son, we, we really uh, were speaking Spanish to him. Cool. Um, my parents speak Spanish to him. We want him to to know the language. Um, we've already actually already taken them to Mexico. So he can see where his grandparents are from. Um, I, uh, I really, I love Mexican food. Hopefully you guys do too. Oh Think yeah. The best. <laughs> um, but, a lot of the things that that I have really um, taken on is is a tradition of you know just being a family person, really, really making sure that I I am taking care of my my unit and that we work together, um, that uh, that we're able to spend like the weekends together. I I've had a hard time with this thing because I'm one of those uh, people that. I like having barbecues with friends and just like, just chilling, like nothing, like I don't need to be playing a certain like game or board game. Like I just, I just want to hang out and just talk. Yeah. Just be (laughs) present with people. Exactly. Like I just want to even sometimes music and just, just be there. I'm a very like, I think, I think if any love language connects with me, it's, it's quality time. I, I think that they passed on that to me. And so, um, I'm very very family oriented and and some some cool stories like with my son he was actually born on Mexican Independence Day um, on September 16th so it was like a little uh a little bonus there um he he was conceived in Mexico so it was just like the kid is probably more Mexican than me (laughs) 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 so so I love that like it's like um, you know, for me with my faith, it was sort of like a gift that it connected to who I am. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is cool. Cause even um September 15, before he was born, I remember I was like, I was like, man, I really thought my kid was going to be born on the 16th. And so I'm like laying in bed and I'm kind of bummed. I'm like, come on, like he's supposed yeah. to be born. And then just <laughs> as I'm thinking that, my wife goes, oh, and and water breaks. And and then like we get into the whole labor thing. And so um it was phenomenal. It was like, yes, it's it's happening. <laughs> so um to me that was just like, okay, I I wanna make sure that that uh he can value like where where our family's from and and um and that he's proud to be from from both you know both cultures and so so that I don't know that it's, it sounds kind of silly, but I think that that impacts people around you. Yeah. And I, I think, I think yeah, everybody well,
0: has a desire to know like where you've come from and where your roots are. And, and I think those things, like even for him being born on that day, um, you know, and, and those are just little things that kind of root you to that um, <laughs> and, and add an extra connection. So I think that's really cool.
2: Yeah. It's like every, every year we'll get to celebrate his birthday and be like, Hey, like,
0: you know, your family's from
2: Mexico. You were born on Mexican Independence Day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and you, um, I know from listening to that that other podcast, I know you mentioned that you had coached track, at, I think probably at Madras, but I don't know if you've still been doing that. And then obviously, you um, you know, track seasons. I'm assuming canceled for you guys. I coach middle school track, and and all my kids were super bummed because we were just about to start, and then mm-hmm. it got canceled. So we're like, we didn't even get a, a any practice, <sighs> and it was a super big bummer. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, we
2: got two uh, two weeks of practices, so so it wasn't too bad. At least we got to see each other. Yeah, um, and one cool thing is. Uh, the the grant that Brooks was giving to the kids, they're still doing it. So nice. we're actually, we're already starting to distribute the shoes for the kids. And um, to me, that's, that's special because it's sort of like, okay, it's a hard time, but they can still put on the shoes and go run, you know? You know, it's like, yeah. like, even though we don't have the team, like kids can still get out and run one or two miles, three miles. Um, and it's good for them because, you know, the more f- physically healthy we are, the more we're going to feel healthy all the way around, and be able to navigate through this tough time. Because the reality is, it it is a bummer. I, yeah. A lot of people are in in uh, situations that it's hard to find joy, and so I, you know, I I encourage everyone to stay positive. Yeah. It's the best we can do.
0: Well, sometimes to get out of the house and go run, like for me, it's just a like. I've been running with without music more often lately, just because I need like quiet. <laughs> just I've got a couple of kids. Mm-hmm. Colin has two kids too, and and, I'll, and we love our kids, but you know, in in the house all day together, it's just
1: there's just noise all the time. So it's nice it's, to just have that space. Yeah. That's true. I've been running and uh, without music also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. It's like you need you just need to to de stress. Yeah, just. Yeah clear the head. Yeah. How old are your kids?
0: Uh mine are six. I have a 6-year-old son and an 11-year-old daughter, so Everett and Chloe okay. and then Collins
1: or. Are... And I have a 10-year-old son and a 7-year-old daughter. Okay. You guys
2: yeah. are pretty close. Nice. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, we're best friends. So, okay. Yeah. Our, our kids. <laughs> you're just like okay. We'll follow each other. <laughs> we, we had to plan it out. <laughs> yeah, it, just, it kind of just worked out that way. It was nice. Uh, yeah. Our,
0: our kids enjoy hanging out together, which so that's been tough too. Not getting to. We've done some Zoom, yeah. some Zoom connections and stuff. Yeah. Um. Well, just to kind of kind of wrap up a little bit, as you, you know, thinking about, um, you know, you're involved in a lot of different things. Obviously, you have these passions of. Um, you know, the, all this running stuff, but then you have passions with ministry um, as you think, you know, kind of down the road on either one of those things or both, like what are some of your ultimate long-term goals? Like, like what do you really, would you really love to accomplish in, you know, both in sports and or in ministry or life? Like, yeah. What are some, some things that you would love to love to accomplish in the future?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. I, I, I've had a, a real desire to the more that I grow older, to combine running and ministry into one. So it's just to see more of it connect, more of it to be uh, very similar because i I've found that you know I'm not I'm not necessarily like a runner. I'm really more of a person that running is like an expression of of like what's inside of me, like mm-hmm. the faith that I have inside of me. And so, um, I really have enjoyed connecting the two aspects as in, like, if there's a platform in running, then use that platform to connect, uh, your passion and in, in faith, your passion, um, and seeing people find like that joy and that, that, uh, that life and that consistency. And so for me, um, I, I try more and more often to, to to basically combine them, to see them connect more more and more. And so that is why um, even when I when I teach sometimes or when I preach, uh, I really I really kind of see it the same. Like I've actually told people that I get the same joy when I, when I get to preach as I do when I'm running. A race because it's like it's like uh, uh a, a a special time it's like it's like a, a place of 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 a guest worship a place of uh uh a spiritual state that i i just feel very comfortable in and so i i want to do more of that and and not see them as different things but see them see them as one
0: awesome yeah it's awesome um yeah well, cool. Well, um, I don't want to take up too much time. I know, I know it's getting late for you and, um, you've been on zoom calls all day, so <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: hey, it's it's been fun though. <laughs> yeah. Well, we
0: we yeah. are so appreciative of you, of you coming on and spending some time with us and sharing, you know, sharing some of this, um, some of these really cool stories with us. And we'd love to love to stay connected with you. Um, I want to make sure that our, our listeners know where to find you, so I know your website, um, unless unless there's a different one, but the one I saw was Mendoza Running, r- sorry, MendozaRunner.com, which has some cool, mm-hmm. I saw you have some cool race reports and a number of different links and stuff that are really, really cool. Um, then I see you're on Instagram as Mendoza Runner as well. And then um, for our running friends who are on Strava, they can just search Mario Mendoza and find you on there and see your, like, multiple days in a row of 20-mile runs and, you know, (laughs) all the craziness that you do. (laughs) Yeah. Which, which, yeah, yeah, I look at that. Some of those I've looked at, and I'm like, I see your pace. I'm like, man, I would be happy to do that pace on flat ground for a much shorter distance (laughs) and feel pretty good about myself. (laughs) Yeah.
1: all right hey my last closing question as uh, uh as we see your family doing family things in the background there yes yes my <laughs> what what what's your next uh what's your next world record <laughs> what are you gonna go for next you should race race like a zebra or something you gotta get one of those unique ones that nobody's done yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um wearing claws yeah. or
0: something you know
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah i i it's funny i've um the these kind of projects that i've gone on um i might have not told you guys but one of them was uh this hundred mile that i did for, for uh no reason other than than uh bridging the community um and and it was it was really really special um like everyone that was there was just like oh my gosh like that was just like it was incredibly special there's there's actually a film that's on it 100 miles to build a bridge um but even even in the film like it it y- you can't get the fullness of it i think in the film you can you can feel it but it's like there was something incredibly special about that event um that led to i did this run on the border um with a couple other guys and that one uh it was uh the north face and in vice that did that one and that one is just like Run across the border. Um, and then so then it led to this this 50k event that I did here, this 50k record. And and so I say this to say that each event, like it's weird, it suddenly just comes and then it's like, okay, it's gonna be way different, and it's not gonna look like the other one. So maybe racing a zebra might be different enough where I I like your idea (laughs) like I like where you're going (laughs) um but yeah no I I uh I have actually been thinking because it's kind of a good time to do something when there's no races but at the same time I want (laughs) to respect the the guidelines and keep everyone safe so so you guys might see me do something crazy before I do an official race because there might not be any any races till like october
0: (laughs) well let us know if you do (laughs) yeah we want to we want to promote that well we'll definitely post some post some links and different ways that people can connect and and follow and and uh you know see what see what you're doing which is which is really fun so yeah yeah Yeah. so so thank you for being on and uh i'll 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 close this out you know um colin i love you i love you too Corey. mario (laughs) we love you and uh we are the most uninteresting men in In the the
1: world. world Hopefully. Hey, that worked on Zoom.
0: It didn't match up on my end. It matched up. Oh. On my
1: end.